Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. As you are taking a seat, let me invite you to turn to First John. This is where we're going to be the rest of, well, most of the rest of this year. Um, and then, in fact, even into some of next year. So we will take a break at uh, Christmas and, and we'll do some Advent uh, stuff. And then um, we will be right back into First John uh, about the second week of January and wrap up uh, sometime in March. So uh, we're going to spend a lot of time in this book. And this morning, so, so what we're going to do is I'm going I'm to talk for about 10 minutes or so, uh, kind of introduce the book, introduce some John's purposes for writing, introduce a couple of really big themes. And then I'm going to invite you to, to read along with me. We're, we're just going to read through the book of First John. Uh, now, as I said, we did this with, uh, I believe, with Ephesians about a year and a half ago. Uh, we didn't do it with Nehemiah uh, for, for the simple fact that Nehemiah is 13 chapters long. Um, we would not do it with something like Psalms or, or the 66 chapters of Isaiah. Um, but there are certain letters that we can do that. We can take just the, the whole book and read together. And so I'm going to invite you to, to follow along with me in your Bible. Um, I'm reading from the... I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, so if you have the Bible app and you want to follow along with exactly what I'm reading, uh, you, can, you can pull that one up, the CSB, uh, on your Bible app. If you're using a different translation of the Bible, that's fine. You're going to find out they, they, they work pretty closely together. So if you're using the NIV or the ESV or even the old uh, the King James, uh, the tried and true uh, version of the Bible, uh, you're going to be able to follow along with us. I'm going to invite you to take your copy of Scripture and follow along where we go. First uh, John is, is called one of the general letters, and the reason it's called one of the general letters is because we don't—it's not addressed to a specific church. So, so Paul, in most of his letters, is going to address uh, his letter to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Colossae, to the church in Corinth. We don't have that in, in, in John. In fact, uh, it's kind of understood that John was probably writing this to a group of churches, and so he's dealing with some issues that are kind of taking root in. Uh, in a certain region. So, so imagine somebody writing a letter to the churches in New Mexico, to, to the Baptist churches here in New Mexico, and, and it's just kind of a general letter. That, that's, where he's, that's where he's going. Uh, even though John doesn't identify himself specifically here by name, uh, the, the church fathers and, and history is very reliable in telling us that John um, wrote this. The, the same disciple of Christ who wrote the Gospel of John and who wrote, uh, who wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, the three letters, and then, of course, uh, who wrote his vision in the Revelation. So uh, that's, that's where we are here. We're going to look at the, the four purposes that John's writing. So remember, none of these letters that we have um, were, were written just off the cuff. They were all addressing an issue or issues within churches. And uh, John is, is certainly no different. So, so the first thing that we need to understand is that there is a practical purpose to why John's writing. Okay? He's, he's writing this because there's some error, some, some heresy, some false teaching that's starting to creep up in some of these churches. Uh, this error is known as Gnosticism, with the, with the G in Gnosticism. It comes from the Greek word gnosis, which simply means knowledge. Okay, and, and so in this case, the Greeks taught that there was a superior knowledge. And this really took on two 
forms. There, there was one that, that was taught by some folks called the docets. It's, it's called docetic Gnosticism that, that taught that all matter is evil and all spirit is good. Okay, so, so they said that your, your physical body is evil, but your spirit is good. And so uh, you want to continually deny your your body, anything, any desire that you have physically is evil. So even down to like your desire to eat, ultimately that's evil, and only the spiritual things are good. So, so in the teaching of Christ, then they would have taught that 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 the God Man, Jesus Christ, never could have been fully God and fully human. So what they taught is that Jesus was really just a phantom; that he appeared to be as a man, but if you went up and touched him, uh, there wouldn't have been anything there. And the second uh, false teaching in the same uh, line was taught by some guys uh, from a school of Serinth, or it's called Serinthian Gnosticism. And they taught that Jesus was just an ordinary man like you and me. And in his baptism, the Spirit of God came on him in a special way. And throughout his three-year ministry, the Spirit of God was resting on Jesus. And then on the cross, the Spirit of God leaves him. And so, so then they would say, that's why Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because the Spirit of God left Jesus. Um, there are many problems with that. Uh, the first, of all, first one is actually what the Bible teaches. Um, and secondly, if, if Christ didn't die in our place as God in the flesh, he was not a perfect sacrifice. Okay? So there, there, there were these practical reasons. These errors were starting to creep up in the churches. And John's writing saying, listen, we've got to deal with some of these, um, some of these issues. Second, there, there's a principal reason that, uh, that, that John's writing here. In other words, he's addressing some ethical issues. First of all is sin. How should Christians live? What should our attitude towards sin be? And then secondly, love. So he's going to tell us how to deal with sin and how we are to love one another and love God. Third, there's a pastoral purpose. As he seeks to shepherd these churches that he has a relationship with, um, he's going to tell them what fellowship in the family of God looks like. First of all, he's going to talk about our, our fellowship with God, and he's going to talk about our fellowship with one another. He's going to talk about, he's going to do some teaching as, as a pastor would in trying to avoid some of these errors that we've seen, and how we can be united in the truth. And then lastly, he, he, he's writing for a personal reason, a personal purpose. And he says that in chapter 1, verse 4. He says, we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And most of the time when you see these, when you see these words like ours, so, so on one hand, if you, if you read this wrong, it can sound like John's kind of writing selfishly here, right? So I'm, I'm writing this so that our joy may be complete. No, I think what he's saying is I'm writing these things to you so that our joy, your joy and mine, may be complete. I'm not, I'm not writing this just so I can prop myself up so I can make myself feel good. No, I'm writing so that our joy may be complete in the Lord. And that leads us to the two themes that we're going to see over and over again. If you don't believe me, we've already talked about them. Okay, And, and, and so John's book, this letter, is going to at times see kind of, seem kind of repetitive. Here's why I don't think that's a bad thing, because as we hear things time after time after time after time, maybe it begins to sink in. 
right? That, that's why every year, so, so as, as our students prepare to go back to school tomorrow, the first few weeks, they're probably going to hear exactly what they heard last year. Why? Because it's been three months since you've sat in a classroom, and we, we have a tendency to forget things, okay? So he's going to hammer on these two themes over and over again in this book. The first one is fellowship. As I said, this is a big one. Fellowship. That he's writing about our fellowship with God and our fellowship with one another, and the two are always very closely related. And the second is joy. Fellowship and joy. And it's a funny thing how these two things are going to interact, because as our fellowship with God and our fellowship with one another increases, our joy will increase. And as our joy increases, our fellowship with one another and with God will increase. And that will increase our joy. You see how it goes there. And so we're going to hear these things over and over again over the next several months. I love this book. And let me just say this. Um, you know, I titled this series Identity, because we just walk through the I am sayings of Jesus. Uh, if you miss some of those, all those messages are on our website, fbcalamo.com, um, as we walk through those, those I am sayings of Jesus this summer. So, so we spent the time looking at who Christ is. And, and now in light of who Christ is, we're going to simply ask, who are we? Where are we finding our identity? You know, if, if you were paying attention to, uh, to the news, or to social media at all yesterday, you, you saw um, just the unbelievable chaos that erupted in, in Charlottesville, Virginia. And, and can, can I tell you that, that I firmly believe that, that the white supremacy and the racism that, that we saw in such literally violent display yesterday is nothing more than people finding their identity in the wrong thing. So in the case of these white supremacists, they, they find their identity in their being white. And they feel threatened anytime that that whiteness isn't celebrated. And, and that led to unbelievably unspeakable evil actions yesterday. Not, not just marching with torches, but with but actually somebody taking a car and driving it through a through a crowd. And I've said this before, I'm going, to, I'm going to say it again over and over, that there's no room for racism of any kind in the gospel. Paul writes in Galatians 3.23, there's, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. But, but listen to me, if you find your identity in anything other than Christ, anytime that identity begins to be shaken, you, you will be threatened. So over the next five months or so, five, six months, we are going to see the importance of identity. And John's saying, listen, you want to find your identity, find it in loving God and in loving one another. We're going, to, we're going to flesh that out. So if you will join with me and turn to 1 John and follow along as we simply read this morning the, the five chapters in this letter. John begins, what was from the beginning? What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. 
What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and there's absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. This is how we know that we know him, if we keep his commands. The one who says, I have come to know him, and yet doesn't keep his commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him, the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old command that you've had from the beginning. The old command is the word you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I'm writing to you, little children, since your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you've come to know the one who's from the beginning. And I'm writing to you, young men, because you have conquered the evil one. I've written to you, children, because you've come to know the father. I've written to you, fathers, because you've come to know the one who is from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong. God's word remains in you, and you have conquered the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lusts is passing away. But the one who does the will of God remains forever. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. By this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar if not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This one is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. And no one who denies the Son has the Father. He who confesses the Son has the Father as well. What you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. 
If what you heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise that he himself has made to us, eternal life. I have written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you remain in him. So now, little children, remain in him so that when he appears, you may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children, and we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed so that he might take away sins, and there is no sin in him. Everyone who remains in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. Children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's work. Everyone who has been born of God does not sin because his seed remains in him. He is not able to sin because he has been born of God. This is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother or sister. For this is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Unlike Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother, And why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. Everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and truth. This is how we will know that we belong to the truth and will reassure our hearts before him. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows all things. Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive whatever we ask from him because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. Now this is his command, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit he has given us. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, 
which you have heard is coming, even now it is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us, and anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we, must, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we want love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. Because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. This is how we know that we love God's children, when we love God and obey his commands. For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. And his commands are not a burden because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. Who is the one that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Jesus Christ. He is the one who came by water and blood, not by water only, but by water and by blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit the water, and the blood. And these three are in agreement. If we accept human testimony, God's testimony is greater because it is God's testimony that he has given about his Son. The one who believes in the Son of God has this testimony within himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. The one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. 
I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. If anyone sees a believer committing sin that doesn't lead to death, he should ask, and God will give life to him, to those who commit sin that doesn't lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I'm not saying he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin that doesn't lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not sin, but the one who is born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know the true one. We are in the true one, that is, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. You know, the reason we, we occasionally will do this is, for one, we see it modeled in Scripture. For uh, In the book of Nehemiah, we were told that the people read the Scripture from early in the morning until midday. But what a joy it is just to, just to gather together as the body of Christ and simply read Scripture. I'm so excited about what these next few months will bring in this book. I believe that God's going to do a great work in us and through us as he teaches us what it means to live in fellowship with one another and fellowship with God, and, and that our joy may be complete. In that prayer that he prays there in, in verse chapter 5, verse 13, I write these things to you that you may know that you have eternal life. But over the next five, six months, we, we will be assured time and time again that our identity as followers of Christ is secure. And, then, and I'm just crazy enough to think that, that as we read through this and we talk about who, the, the one who loves God, the one who doesn't love God, that, that God's going to open up our eyes and, and, and there will be people in, in our room, in this room, week in and week out, who, who are convicted that, you know what, I've never crossed that line of faith. I've never come to know Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. So I pray over these next few months that there would be conviction of sin, that there would be a freedom in, in his presence, a freedom in knowing uh, who he is and what he's done for us. So I say all that to say this. Show up next week when we dive into this book. We're just going to look at the first four verses, so if you want to get ahead, um, do a little bit of study on your own. Read those first four verses Meditate on them. See what God says to us in the coming weeks as we dive into his word together. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity just to gather and to read your word. I thank you so much for the gift of your word to us. We don't have to wonder what you've said. We have your words here. We, we have your word that is living and active, as the writer of Hebrews told us. But we never take that for granted. And may we never allow our easy access to your word to 
lead us to complacency. God, open our eyes over these next months, these next weeks, that, that our fellowship with one another would increase. Our fellowship and our understanding of who you are and our fellowship with you would increase. And, and our joy, as, as John prayed here, our joy would be made complete. Pray now for our small group time that you will move in, in those moments that we have to share and, and discuss about life and pray for one another. And just pray that you'll um, use those times to strengthen the fellowship of our church. It's all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. If you'd like to contact us, please use the contact us form at www.fbcalamo.com to get in touch with us and let us know how we can pray for you or serve you. If you have a question for Pastor Kyle, you can contact him by email at kyle at fbcalamo.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you and have a good week.